0: I grew up under the leadership of a pastor who always taught me and said, always have a song list ready to be used at any moment and at any time and in any circumstance. And always have a message prepared for any moment, at any time, to happen anywhere. Today, that advice has paid off. And so I don't get to say this often, but the message that I have for you this evening is not for anybody anywhere at any time. It can be, but the message that it is for is those who are born again and who are filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe the Lord has instructed me to take pieces from two separate messages that I have and to connect certain dots To confront some things that are not here, but that are going on out there in regards to the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, And in regards to New Testament ministry and how we are to walk out uh, New Covenant ministry and New Covenant living. And so that is my assignment for the evening. And before I begin, we are going to play a, a video clip. You'll just hear the audio, but we're going to play... A video clip from David Young Cho. He's gone on to be with the Lord. But there are some things that only come, uh, that are only best from the original source. Why bother to create a facsimile when you can hear it from him himself? Let's listen to this small clip, and then we will pray and get into the Word.
1: Oh, the... Quail were falling like dust upon their camp. They gathered the bushels of the quail. You are trying to win soul by your own strength and ingenuity. And you are exhausting yourself to death. Why don't you depend upon the Holy Spirit? The holy wind will blow the sinners into your auditorium. So I said, "Oh, about Holy Spirit, I know. I am born again by the Holy Spirit dwelling me. I've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I even speak in other tongues. Yes, I have everything about Holy Spirit." Then the awesome voice came, "That is your trouble. You are treating Holy Spirit in an empty thing. Don't try to make Holy Spirit an acrobat. HE'S A HOLY PERSON. HE HAS WILL, KNOWLEDGE, EMOTION. YOU MUST BE SURRENDERED TO HIM. AND HE SHOULD BE YOUR SENIOR PARTNER, SENIOR PASTOR. YOU SHOULD NOT TRY TO USE HOLY SPIRIT. (sighs) I WAS SO FRIGHTENED, I woke OUT OF MY SLUMBER. Right I, where I rushed to my office and opened the Greek lexicon, and I look into the word koinonia, the First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, that the fellowship of Holy Spirit may be upon you all. So koinonia was fellowship, partnership, unity. Oh, I like this. I treated the Holy Spirit not as a person, but some like acrobat trying to use Holy Spirit so i said dear holy spirit i confess my sin because a lack of my knowledge i treated you as a impersonal but you have been person all through these years if i had ever treated my wife as i have treated you my, my wife would have packed up and left me long time ago person should be recognized loved welcomed and caressed." AND THE HOLY SPIRIT IS PERSON. HE HAS BEEN WITH YOU IN YOUR LIFE SINCE YOU GOT SAVED. YOU SHOULD WELCOME HIM, LOVE HIM, ADORE HIM, WORSHIP HIM AS PERSON. SO WHEN I UNDERSTOOD THE HOLY SPIRIT IS A DEFINITE PERSON, I REALLY CONFESSED MY SIN BEFORE THE LORD, TREATING HOLY SPIRIT IN A NOT RIGHT WAY. SO I SAID THE HOLY SPIRIT FORGIVE ME. FROM TODAY ON, You are my senior pastor, I'm junior pastor. I will not do anything without your permission. And from that moment, I said, Dear Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I recognize you. I worship you, I adore you, I depend upon you. Let's go, Holy Spirit. So every Sunday before I come to preach, I say, let's go, dear Holy Spirit. And after finishing, I said, Dear Holy Spirit, thank you for your anointing. And even today, before I come up here, inside my house, let's go, dear Holy Spirit. That has become my second nature now. The Holy Spirit is my senior pastor and my senior partner. To have a fellowship with any any things, you can't have fellowship. You can't have fellowship with dogs and birds, because no personality. But you know, to have fellowship, you should recognize and you should adore and love. My wife is a person, so I recognize her as a person. So I adore, love her, and I say nice thing about her. <laughs> In other words, I would eat a cold breakfast. <laughs> so.
0: Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit is a person. Yes. And he is not different then the Lord Jesus Christ, he is not different than God the Father, they are the same, they are one, and he lives in us, and he lives in us, he ought to live in us, not as passenger, but as the driver of the vehicle of our lives. David Young Icho e. Cho was known at one time for being the pastor of the largest church in the world, 750,000 members. I may have heard that it grew to a million, but as far as I know, it was 750,000 members. And he was famous for praying three to five and sometimes even eight hours a day, and most of that in the spirit, most of that in tongues. He was a man who depended upon the Holy Spirit. John Bevere, when he was coming up in full-time ministry, was working for a church. And he went to pick up David Youngicho Cho at the airport. And he said, David got into the car and uh, John Bevere said that their pastor had trained that unless the speaker speaks to you, you don't speak to the guest speaker. You just allow them to come to the service and, and get ready how they please. Let them determine how the interaction is going to go. And John Bevere said after a while, he just couldn't take it because he's sitting there in the front seat driving Dr. Cho to the meeting, and he said he just couldn't stop weeping because God got in the car with Dr. Cho. And he said to Dr. Cho, and he said, God is in the car. And Dr. Cho said, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But you see, the Holy Spirit is not or was not with Dr. Cho and not with you. The Holy Spirit is not more with me than he is with somebody else. The Holy Spirit is not more with Pastor Greg than he is with myself. He's with all of us. But there are those who have learned how to walk In the Spirit and who have learned to die to themselves and to allow the Holy Spirit to be the driver in the vehicle that is their life. Because He is there as helper and the Holy Spirit will not do your work for you. You've heard me say that before. He's the helper. He's not the doer. But He is still Lord. He is the one that Jesus said that he would send to us. He is the one that Jesus said, it is better if I go because the, I will send you another helper. That phrase, another helper, means of the same kind, one just like me. And Jesus as our high priest, as well as our sacrifice, Jesus as our example, as well as our object of worship, He plays both parts. There's a reason that Paul writes in Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians about the supremacy of Christ because he functions in first place in all matters. All things were created by him and all things were created for him that he might have the preeminence. First place, front seat. So he serves as high priest in the worship world. A lot of times they'll change that phrase and say, to to make it more uh, relatable, he functions as worship leader and he functions as the object of worship. He functions as the sacrifice and he functions as the way to to receiving that sacrifice. He is front and center in all things. And everything that He is, so are we in this world. And the way that we connect to those things is by walking with and connecting to the Holy Spirit who is not out there somewhere, who is not in heaven and us waiting here for Him To be poured out when we have a good church service. The tabernacle has been done away with. As far as what was described in the Old Testament. It is no more and the presence of God is no longer there. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Paul taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And he said... In talking about sexual immorality, he said, Do you not know that he who lays with a harlot makes himself one flesh with that harlot? And then he goes on to say, But if you are the Lord's, you are one spirit with him, and the body is the Lord's. And then he goes through a couple of descriptions, and he ends that little section by saying, Therefore, honor God." With your body and with your spirit. For both are gods. Your body, your spirit is the temple of the Lord. And the same presence of God that poured out from the Ark of the Covenant. And brought terror to those who knelt and worshipped before it. The same presence of God that descended on the mountain. And the Israelites quaked and feared the same presence of God that struck the uh, attendant when the ark of the covenant stumbled, when the ox stumbled and the attendant reached out to catch it, that same presence is what abides in you and me. Why, it is why the psalmist declares that he is to be feared, revered, respected above all gods. We are to walk separate and to walk different because that same terror and presence abides in us. We don't wait for it to show up on occasion. And we don't wait to feel like it's there. He's there. The key that we see in the lives of men like Dr. Cho. The key that we see in men like our pastor. The key that we see in men like, and have seen in men like, Oral Roberts. Uh, John Lake. John Lake. John G. Lake. Kenneth Hagin. You name it. They are people who learned. That they are not waiting. For the Holy Spirit to pour out somewhere. He is within waiting to be released. He is not in heaven waiting for some kind of. Song and dance. For some kind of magic trick. As if we were like. Witches and warlocks casting a spell, just the right spell to cause the Holy Spirit to come and do something. He is in you and He flows from you. Jesus said, Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, not out of heaven. Not out of heaven. And the streams that come forth from the Spirit, it doesn't say a stream. Jesus said, rivers, multiple streams. That is the ability to meet any circumstance that you come across, the resource is in you. I believe there is an error, particularly in charismatic circles, because there is a hyper focus on spiritual gifts. What's my spiritual gift? What's the my little special thing that I have? You have the Holy Spirit from whom flows multiple rivers of living water. And that life is capable of conquering any circumstance, whether it be a circumstance that you face or the circumstance that another faces. My title tonight is The Art of Imitation. How do these two things connect? The Holy Spirit gave me a download of two messages prior to coming here today. One is about the reality of Christ in you, the hope of glory, which we touched on last time that I got to speak to you. The other piece is about the presence of the Holy Spirit, the reality of the new covenant, and how those two things work together in the life of the believer. I want to read to you, and we'll get to how imitation plays into all that in just a moment. But imitation is key. How do we walk in the power and the life that the New Testament describes? Because the new that we have access to is better than the old. One of the things that I believe this message is intended to confront is that, though, that there are those out there, not in here, But there are those that are out there who don't attend here, but they have quite a bit of influence. They're on YouTube, and they're on TV, and they claim to be working under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The problem that I have, and that I believe the Holy Spirit brought to my attention, is that what they produce looks nothing like the kingdom that the New Testament describes. The New Testament is about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the gospel of the kingdom. That is the good news of God's imperial, royal rule. His complete dominance over all of his enemies and his complete lordship in the lives of those who say yes to him. That's the gospel of the kingdom made possible by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They really are the same, but they're different. Are you with me so far? Praise the Lord. My issue and what I believe one of the things we need to confront is, what's being produced out there online is a sort of, and this is, you know, understand I'm not speaking against any particular uh, nation or group, but it is confronting a type of spooky Judaism that is being developed and created in lots of circles where apparently the holy spirit is leading people to worship at these symbolic things like recreated arks and hang this little tassel or tidbit on your door call right now and for your gift of 999 you can receive this blessed piece of junk and hang it on your door and this is what they used to hang on their wall in Jewish times and and when you do that the holy spirit comes into your house and blah 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 let's dance and sing in Hebrew even though we don't speak Hebrew why what 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 spirit is trying to reproduce that? It's not the Holy Spirit. We're going to get into that tonight, I hope, and show you what Jesus said the Holy Spirit said what the Holy Spirit would do. Jesus said very specific things about what the Holy Spirit would do. And his function in our lives is not about making us look Jewish. Nothing against the Jews. The Lord loves them. They're his chosen people, but we're not being recreated into their culture. We're not trying to take on and develop this Christianity that looks like Jewishness. We're looking to take on a Christianity that looks like Jesus. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel of the kingdom of God. That is his imperial rule and absolute dominance over his enemies and his absolute lordship in the lives of those who say yes to him and who believe in him. You'll notice that if you watch on Christian television, that if you read certain books, if you go into the Christian bookstores, when it comes to operating in power and and all of this kind of stuff doing miracles and there's these kinds of there's these weird fasts and these prayers and these weird step by step almost like ritualistic spell type things that they want people to do. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. There's a simpler answer. And I think that's the problem. We want something fantastical to do when really what we have to do is walk with God. I know of a minister who said that there are a lot of people out there that are out there, you know, they hear Smith Wigglesworth punched people. So when they want to heal somebody, they punch them. Without walking and living the life that Smith Wigglesworth lived. Sure, the man raised, I don't even know how many people from the dead. And he threw the, you know, the story of him throwing the body against the wall. Well, people think, well, that must be the secret. That must be the step-by-step thing to raise the dead. I got to throw the a dead corpse against the wall. I want to hear someone heal someone from stomach cancer. I got to punch them in the stomach. That's not how it works. You have to walk with him. You have to live that life. You have to live that set apart life. You have to abide within the bounds of the kingdom. Let's get into some scripture to just de- to tie some of this together and I'll show you how imitation ties into this. Hebrews chapter 7 in verse 15. Talking about Jesus. It is yet far more evident. If the likeness of Mel, uh, Excuse me. It is yet far more evident. If in the likeness of Melchizedek. There arises another priest. Talking about Jesus. Who has come. Not according to the law of the fleshly commandment. But according to the power, say power, of an endless life. Some translations will translate that phrase, unstoppable life. Some translations will also translate that phrase as indestructible life. Regardless, it is the life that Jesus Christ exemplified for us. And in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, Paul instructed us and said that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, if He dwell in you, He gives life to your mortal body. That same endless, indestructible, unstoppable life. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. We settle for less when we interpret that text to say just, I'm not saying separate from this, but when we just minimize it to abundant life. Because that's not what it says. It says life in abundance. And life in abundance is so much greater than abundant life. Drug dealers have abundant life. There are rich in this world who have abundant life. And you know that we believe in abundance. However, to have endless, unstoppable, indestructible life in abundance. That is what the Holy Spirit quickens into your flesh. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is in your spirit and He is your body. You are His house. You are His vehicle. And if you will walk with him, if you will cooperate with him, he releases in you and through you. You'll notice that every time Paul refers to power, he refers to power in and through. That's power for you and power for the world that you interact with. And that power is the power of endless, indestructible unstoppable life. How do we access it? It is through the art of imitation. I told you that Jesus has the place of preeminence. He serves both as sacrifice and high priest. He serves both as he who is seated on the throne and yet who cries out and intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. He is the acceptable sacrifice, and He is also the way, the truth, and the life. He is the light of the world. He is all things. And so while we worship Him, we also follow His example. Paul instructed us, be imitators of God as dear children. He also taught, follow me as I follow Christ. The writer of Hebrews admonished us and said, Imitate the faith of those who by faith and patience have obtained the promises. The key is not making your own way, the key is imitation. Imitation of Christ and imitation of those who have obtained the promises. I can't speak for worldwide, but I can say that in my observation, in American society, American society is grown ill, it has grown sick with individualism. And because of that, we don't, and because we allow some of that individualism to creep into our Christianity, we have absence of power because we try to make our own way. We try to find out, well, what's my special gift? How am I special and unique to the body of Christ? Now does the New Testament make room for individual, the individual, and for the individual's gifts and callings? Of course. But there is greater power in understanding how we are connected, not how we are separate. There is greater power in understanding how we are connected, how we are one in Christ, you will notice one of the things that Jesus exemplifies for us. He is always talking about his unity with the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. I only do that which I see my Father doing. Always him and the Father, so much that the Jews wanted to kill him because they say you make yourself equal with God. There is not much power. There is a degree of power, but there's not much power in me trying to figure me out. Me trying to figure out how I'm special. We're all just a bunch of unique snowflakes. (laughs) It's not scripture. We are individuals, but we are one. And just as, and Jesus, so much so that Jesus prayed, Father, let them be one as you and I are one. So our focus cannot be I'm an individual snowflake. My focus must be union with Christ and union with all of you. That is where the power is. Now Jesus, in speaking of the Holy Spirit, we're going to tie all of this together here in a moment. We're coming towards the end. Jesus, in speaking of the Holy Spirit, let's read out of John chapter 14. John chapter 14, let's start in verse 15. If you love me, Keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another, that is to say of the same kind, just like me. The Father will give you another helper that you may abide, that he may abide with you forever. Not coming every now and again to visit, but staying and dwelling with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Would love to talk about that some, but we'll move on. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Again, as I said in the beginning, this message was not really for everyone. It can be, but it's not. It's for the person who is saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this text refers to the Holy Spirit dwelling upon the disciples and now we are included among that number as saved, Spirit-filled individuals, that the Holy Spirit is both with us and in us. This is why Paul says that the faith that is from above does not say that it is coming down or that it is coming up from the earth. But the word of faith is now and it is in your mouth. It's right now. It's not someday. It's not when God gets around to it. It's not when. It's it's not this unknown thing. It's now. That's the faith that we walk by. And so we are in error when we cry out for. Well. When we talk to the Holy Spirit like he's not here. When we talk about him like he's not ready to pour out, like he's not right now ready to move, he's always ready to move. Let's go to John chapter 15. Verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And this is what we touched on a little bit earlier. The things that the Holy Spirit is going to bring forth are those things that relate to, magnify, and testify of the Lord Jesus Christ, not the wonders of the Old Covenant, not the wonders of the formal tabernacle, tabernacle. although those things are good and should be studied. They should be looked at. But the book of Hebrews says that those things were merely a picture. Some translations say an imitation of those things which are in heaven, and now they've been done away with, and you have been made the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the work of the Holy Spirit is not to testify, it is not testifying of the way things were in the old covenant. God visiting on occasion, God's presence somewhere out there, God speaking by occasion through this way and through that way. Jesus said, he will be with you and he'll testify of me. And in another place, Jesus declared, he will take of mine and declare it to you. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Not take of what was of the old and declare it to you. Not take of what is of the old and get you to walk it out, walk out the old. He'll take of what is Christ's. Everything that Christ has, everything that Christ is, everything that Christ has access to, and everything that Christ can do, the Holy Spirit is ready and prepared to bring to you and through you. Because he is here to testify and magnify of Jesus. Not of himself. Another error. Not that we can't worship necessarily and say thank you Holy Spirit. I, I, you know, I love you. I adore you. There's nothing wrong with that. But understand the Holy Spirit's greatest passion and greatest desire is to manifest and testify of Jesus. So you can recognize error in those who claim the work of the Holy Spirit, but never testify of Jesus. And their ministry looks nothing like the ministry of Jesus. It's just spooky. Spooky weirdness, and nothing ever actually happens but spooky weirdness. If that's all you get, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's not the work of the Holy Spirit. He's here to testify of Jesus. He is here to pour out that which belongs to Jesus in you and through you. And that is a theme that runs through all of Scripture. God promised to Abraham, I will not only bless you but make you a blessing. That is blessing to and blessing through. It's how God always intended the system to work. And so it hasn't changed now that the Holy Spirit's here and we just do weird spooky stuff. We're here to demonstrate Jesus. We're here to demonstrate the power of the gospel of the kingdom. And let me tell you something else. You wonder about power and do we have to do all of these weird things? Do we have to work these incantations and do these complicated weird things that only work sometimes? Jesus said in John chapter 6, in response to the question, he he just multiplied bread, and they came to him, and and they asked him, "How, how do we work the works of God? And Jesus declared to them, this is the work of God, to believe on him who he sent. Now, I understand we believe Jesus. I understand that. That's biblical. There's nothing wrong with that. However, Jesus returned to the Father. So who now has been sent? The Holy Spirit. This is the work of God. Not incantations, not spell-like prayers, not operating in imaginary courtrooms of heaven. Not creating tabernacles in the earth, not remaking things of the old covenant, believing on him who is already there. And that's what Jesus exemplified for us. This is the art of imitation. Jesus set the example. Let's go to John chapter 5 and then I'm 90% sure I'm done. John chapter 5. Jesus has just performed a healing and he's performed it on the Sabbath. And he's catching quite a bit of flack from it. You'll see if we beginning in verse 16. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. Because he had done these things, referring to the healing, on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my Father has been working until now, and I have been working. You see there, that encapsulates the principle of what we talked about the, before. The Holy Spirit is your helper, not your doer. Jesus himself here says, the Father is really the one doing the works, but I am also working. So Jesus is saying, as I healed this man, I did do the work, but it really was my Father through me. So he understood that partnership. And so, you know, one of the things we like to do is, oh so then who was it? Was it Jesus or was it his father? Jesus said, if you've seen the father, you've seen me. And the father and I are one. And so we we get into the New Testament and other things. And Paul talks about, in reference to marriage, but even more so in reference to our relationship with Christ, what God has brought together, don't separate. The Lord spoke to me the other day. I was in the book of Hebrews trying to understand, all right, the new tabernacle, and, and we are the pre, you know, this is where the presence of God is. Oh and, oh, and he's in my spirit, and he's in my body, and I'm trying to connect all these pieces. I'm going, wait, is he here? Is he there? Am I there? Am I here? Where, are man, where am I? Where are you? you know, how does all this work? And the Lord said to me, he said, stop trying to figure it out, because in trying to figure it out, you are separating that which I put together. Don't bother trying to separate it. Yes, it's you, but it's also me. I'm doing the work, and I won't work until you work, until you do, until you act on the word. But I'm here as your helper, and I'm, I'm the one who ultimately does the work. But you have to step out. You have to take that action. We have to work together, and we're united. So don't separate us. That's what the Lord spoke to me. So Jesus exemplifies that in verse 7. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him, because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. We have been made children of God. I'll just leave that there. Not that you... Are in it of yourself, divine, by the way. Don't puff yourself up beyond what you ought to, but don't undershoot the goal either. He is in you, He is with you, and you are one with Him. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself but what He sees the Father doing. Press pause. There. I've heard it taught many times, and I can't necessarily disagree with it. And I don't really necessarily disagree with it, because the Bible doesn't give us specific details. But that's usually interpreted as, well, then the Father, by the Holy Spirit, gave Jesus a vision of who to heal and what to say and all of that. And I would say, maybe. But, you know, he said, my Father's been working up until now. Meaning even before Jesus was on the earth. So where could Jesus have seen his Father working? I would suggest to you in the scriptures. Because everything Jesus did, every single miracle Jesus did, happened in the Old Testament. His father performing those miracles. The dead were raised in the Old Testament. Food was multiplied in the Old Testament. There were countless healings in the Old Testament. There were miraculous provisions in the Old Testament. So where did Jesus see his father do the work? In the word. Sure, it could have come to him by vision, by word of wisdom, by word of knowledge. But I'm just saying, sometimes we use that as an excuse. Well, I just won't do anything until I get a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a vision. And I would say that is an unacceptable excuse. Moving on. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. And the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does and he will show him great works, these, uh, greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and see you here you see that, here the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. And so you see Jesus is walking in lockstep with the Father, exemplifying for all believers what it means to walk in the spirit. Not to divide between, oh, well, that's the Spirit, and that's me, and all oh, the anointing lifted, and all oh, the anointing came. No, the Father and I are one, Jesus said. And then Jesus later on said of us, my Father and I will come, and we will make our dwelling with you, and we shall be in you. Exemplifying for us. We must imitate Jesus. We must learn the art of imitation. Do not read the Gospels and only see yourself in the position of those or as a similar position of those whom Jesus ministered to. You sell yourself short of the new covenant when you do that. There are principles that can be learned in stories like The Woman with the Issue of Blood. There are principles that can be learned in the story of blind Bartimaeus. There are principles that can be learned with any number of the people that Jesus ministered to. Of course. But if you want to know what God's perfect will for your life is, God's perfect will for your life is not that you would see them, compare yourself to them, and do what they did to get their answer. God's perfect will for you is to realize that the one who performed those same miracles, He is in you, He is with you, and He is not only ready to pour those same miracles out through you, but to you. The same miracles. The woman with the issue of blood is not your ultimate example. The disciples of Jesus are not even your ultimate example. Christ is your example. And if you will begin to function and think that way, you won't think, how can I be healed? You won't think, how can I get my need met? You'll know that you already have it because Jesus said it "It is done and he is in you. And this is the mystery of the gospel. Christ in you. The hope of glory. That is why you without fear can give in abundance. Because anything you need, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Anything that you need, you have access to. Just like the Father said to the eldest son in the parable uh, of the uh, prodigal son. Why are you so upset? Everything that I have is yours. So you don't have to walk around in fear. When is my miracle going to come? Know that your miracle is in you. And it is as... Romans chapter 7, as we quoted earlier, it is there, it is in your mouth, it is not right now, not coming down someday, not coming up at some point, it is now and it is in your mouth. You have no need to fear for your miracle and to wonder how it will all happen for you. You can just go out and be free to be like Jesus and be exactly what God intends for you to be, a blessing everywhere you go, giving freely, healing freely. Leading, free, uh, leading those to salvation freely. Bringing deliverance to those who need it freely. It's true. You are blessed coming in. Blessed going out. But you are also the blessing going in and coming out. And going into the city and into the field. And finding those who need the kingdom. And declaring to them the kingdom of God has come near to you today. And understand this. That Jesus said that this is the work of God. This is how you do the works of God. You believe on him who he sent. He, He who he sent is the Holy Spirit. He who is in you now is the Holy Spirit. So the work of God, the works of God, to do the works of God is to believe on the one who is already in you. And he who is in you He who is in you, he who is in you, is he, it is the same spirit and of the same substance that the book of Hebrews declared earlier. It is that life that is endless, that is indestructible, that is unstoppable. It is the life that Paul declares is quickened to our mortal bodies by the Holy Spirit. That life and life in abundance. It's not just abundant life, but it is that un- indestructible, unbeatable, unstoppable, endless life in abundance. That is what is at work in you. And that is what ought to be at work through you. The world needs it. The world needs Christ in you, the hope of glory. So step out in boldness be generous be generous with your wealth be generous with the spirit that is in you and recognize that you imitate Christ when you read the gospels when you read the epistles look for Jesus don't just look for those who received from him look for him be him Know the power that is in you. And to work that power, all that it requires is that you believe on Him who He sent. That is the work of God. That is the art of imitation. Recognizing how Jesus actually did it, and recognizing those great men and women who have obtained those great and precious promises. Recognizing that it's not that Smith Wigglesworth punched people in the stomach. It's not that John Lake could just walk around and speak to people and they got healed. It's not that men like, uh, I believe his name is Alexander uh, Dowie, he prayed every morning at 9 a.m. and people all around the world who you know, there's no television, no internet. There wasn't anybody hearing him over the phone. He would just speak in one place and people would be healed hundreds of miles away. All that is, it's not complicated. All that is, is the releasing of that life which is indestructible. And it flows forth from your greatest companion. He who desires to be your dearest friend. He who desires to be your constant companion. And he is, but he's just waiting for you to be... Re- he's just waiting to be recognized. He's waiting to be acknowledged. Like in Dr. Cho's testimony. Realizing that the Holy Spirit wasn't there to be his acrobat. But the Holy Spirit was there to do the work. And Dr. Cho was there to believe. Amen. I encourage you go forth from here today. Be imitators of Christ. Be imitators of those who by faith and patience have obtained the promises and have released that endless, indestructible, unstoppable life into our world. Go forth and do the same. Amen.